1: Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said. Done.
2: You are listening to Veggie Doctor Radio, and this is episode number 38, Renee Jones, how she conquered her emotional eating after 40 years of struggle. I got something you should try It's crunchy, green, and yummy And it's about to blow your mind
3: It's low on calories And it looks like mini trees When you're having dinner with me Broccoli We're
1: having broccoli We're having broccoli
2: I am your host, Dr. Yami Kazorla lancaster board-certified pediatrician, certified food for life cooking and nutrition instructor, certified well coach, and passionate promoter of the power of diet and lifestyle in preventing and reversing chronic disease and bringing joy and longevity into our lives. This podcast is focused on plant-based nutrition habit formation, behavior change, and motivation so that you can have the tools to live the best life possible. Thank you so much for tuning in today, and I hope that you keep coming back as a regular listener. Are you ready to get started? Let's do it. Happy Sunday, veggie lovers, and welcome back to Veggie Doctor Radio. This week's guest is Renee Jones, and she has a master's degree in marriage and family counseling and a clinical residency in pastoral care, and she utilizes traditional and contemporary models, as well as relaxation and horse-assisted methods. She's worked as a chaplain and counselor in long-term acute care hospitals and hospice for more than a decade, serving patients, family, and staff. In 2011, she opened an international private practice in counseling, serving clients and colleagues from the U.S. and around the world. What makes her approach distinctive is that she is trained as a chaplain with a master's degree in counseling. And this expertise enables her to help her clients free themselves emotionally by addressing their spiritual, physical, and emotional needs. The result is that her clients get the body that they want, find true comfort without food, and embrace the beautiful person they are from the inside out. Well, this is a really great discussion I had with Renee. I love the subject of emotional eating and all of those habits that we have developed that keep us away from our true long-term goals because a lot of us suffer from that, including myself. And I've learned some skills and tools that over time have really helped me achieve the balance and the joy that I want from my food and my life. So when I met Renee and I heard her do her TEDx talk, I thought that she would be a great guest on this program so that we could delve a little bit more into this. Are you liking listening to my podcast? If so, if you could please do me a favor, please give me a rating and review on iTunes or whatever whatever platform that you like to use for listening to your podcast also please share it because the more people that you share it with the more listeners i get to my podcast and it helps me grow and make it even better and better and better Thank you all so much for your loyalty and for listening to my guests and me chat week after week after week. I love doing this. It's one of my favorite things that I do, and I really look forward to meeting all of these amazing guests. So I hope that you're getting something out of it. Feel free to email me at veggie doctor at veggie If you have any ideas of future guests or topics, and I hope that you have a lovely plantastic Sunday. Now on to our interview. Today I have with me Renee Jones, and today we're going to have a very interesting discussion about emotional eating. Renee, thank you for being on Veggie Doctor Radio. Thank you for having me. Well, I got to meet Renee at a conference I was at recently for the Quantum Leap program, where she did her first TEDx talk. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> and I was very intrigued by a lot of the things that you said. But first of all, I would love for you to talk to us about your story and your struggle with your weight and emotional eating and how this whole process all began. Okay.
3: Well, I was looking at my 50th birthday and I realized that the yo-yo dieting that I had done for like 40 years, yes, 40. I started my first diet when I was 10 and when I was looking down at my 50th birthday I thought this is this something has to change. Mm-hmm. It's just got to change. And I managed to make some changes and that was 2012 I finally reached my goal weight the week before my 50th birthday and I've been within the parameters of that ever since wow well what
2: do you think started your emotional eating that led to the problems that you had with your weight
3: Mm. um well my family did the emotional eating thing i learned from my mother and my grandmother and everyone else that when we were upset or hurt or stressed or just whatever food will do it for you food will calm you down food will make you feel better so you know here's a Twinkie or it was usually something sweet. We were much more sweet eaters than, uh, but we, we like salty stuff too. But you know, the, the family table, <laughs> there would be this big, huge table and you couldn't see the, the tablecloth under it because it was a ranching family so you worked hard, you went home, you had your meal, and there was just food everywhere. And there were four or five desserts at every you know, main family event. So we just ate to soothe ourselves, just what we did. Mm-hmm. So you learned that habit,
2: but it sounds like for 40 years, you were unhappy with your weight.
3: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, would, I started gaining weight. My mother thought, well, if we deal with this now, She'll be fine, except we didn't deal with it. We just went on a diet and we'd lose some weight. We'd feel better. So we'd go off our diet and start eating like we always had, which gives you the results you always got, right? Mm -hmm. So we just did the yo-yo thing for all of that time.
2: Mm -hmm. And what changed before your 50th birthday? What changed in your mindset that you felt like, okay, I've got to do this now or never?
3: It was that. It was like, okay, you know, um, life change is coming. And if I don't lose the weight now, I haven't got a prayer after menopause, right? So I just thought, okay, here's the time. So I started doing some research. And I I thought, this I know all the diets. I know every one of them. I even know how to cheat on them, you know? So (laughs) I found something that really struck me, and that was only eat when you're hungry. And that was such a crazy thought to me that I had to do some more research on it. So I I kept researching and it changed how I thought about food.
2: Isn't that amazing? Only eat when you're hungry. It seems so radical and extreme to us, doesn't it?
3: (laughs) It does. It It does. It
2: can't be that simple.
3: It can't. And it's not really, but it, it, shifted my thinking of, oh, you mean, oh, food is fuel. Food is for when you're, hu- oh. So it changed a lot of things in the process. And it made me look at that whole emotional eating thing. You know, what is it about putting a Twinkie in your mouth that makes you feel better? Are there other things you can do? Mm-hmm. And that that began the shift.
2: I love uh-huh. that. As a pediatrician, I talk to parents all the time about honoring their child's hunger and satiety because children and babies are naturally born as intuitive eaters. They eat mm-hmm. when they're hungry, they stop when they're satisfied, and they, they really are so interested, especially toddlers. They're so interested in the world around them that sometimes, unless their hunger is pretty painful. They don't, I mean, they'd rather play. And I tell parents that that's okay. But parents do get very stressed and anxious and encourage and coax and cajole their children into eating more. One more bite, come on, one more. And that Mm. slowly teaches us too, to push past satiety and learn these new external rules for Mm. when we should eat. So whenever you started this process of tuning into your hunger, was it difficult for you at first? Or did it take you a while to kind of figure that out?
3: Yeah. And, you know, the the whole your pediatrician experience. Yeah, absolutely. Up until about the time I went to school, I, my mother said, you ate like a bird. You ate a little bit all day long. So I had it. I remember having that. And Somehow going to school, you have to eat within, you know, my plate and plastic wrap were just great buddies because we weren't going to waste the food. Right. But my mother eventually was like, Oh, come, she's not going to do this. We're going to put the plastic over it. She'll come back to it later. Mm -hmm. And obviously that was perfect for my body because I wasn't heavy until I went to school Mm -hmm. and had to fit within the three meal structure of the day. So coming back to that, there's, there is some, okay, it's time to eat, but I'm not really hungry. So what I've started doing and what I learned to do was say, okay, you know what? I don't have to eat right now. If I'm hungry in five minutes, I can still have my meal. And it, it works out well for me now to, of course, once I start thinking about it, then suddenly my stomach gets hungry. So I wonder how much of it is just the mental aspect of it. and What's actual hunger?
2: Well, there is a very true physiologic response called the cephalic response um, reflex. So mm. when we see, smell, and think of food, we start yeah. the digestive process. So there is something yeah. real there going on in our bodies. Yeah. But, but you're right. I think that that's so awkward. It feels so awkward, especially whenever we have family dinners or social events and everybody's mm. sitting down. And just like, man, I, I'm really not hungry. Yeah. but you feel almost obligated to eat sure. if everybody else's eating. So that's one of those things to navigate each individual and decide what they're going to do. But I've started practicing that habit as well. And they like, you know, I'll just save it for later. I'll take it to go um, or I'll just mm. eat my, my portion later. Mm. Mm. So besides the learning to tune into your hunger, eating when you're hungry, stopping when you're satisfied, what other big ahas did you have on your journey to weight loss?
3: Oh, I think learning to actually eat what I liked and leaving what I didn't. Mm-hmm. And I started tasting things again and realizing, oh, why, why, why have I eaten that? In fact, Easter, like two years ago, probably three now, but um, I actually sat down, my favorite, me and my grandmother, we loved Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Oh, we loved them. And I thought, okay, I'm actually going to taste this one. And I had gotten um, a bag of those Reese's eggs, which are the perfect proportion of peanut butter and chocolate, you understand. (laughs) So I got one for me and I got a bag for my husband. And Easter afternoon, I sat down and I had already learned to actually chew my food again rather than inhale it. So I cut my little egg into like four bites so that I could savor it and enjoy it. And I put it in my mouth and I thought, you know what the chocolate on this is waxy and it's I I love dark chocolate myself and of course it's milk chocolate and I thought oh no now I'm going to have to give up my Reese's peanut butter cup because I don't like it anymore so I handed it to my my bag to my husband I said all yours love enjoy he said, you're not going to eat Reese's peanut butter cups again? I said, no, they're just not as good as I remember. And I think so often, flavors and tastes are so much tied to our memory rather than our actual taste buds.
2: That is brilliant, and I agree with you 100%. So there's two, two things I want to point out in that. Okay. One is... What we do is we have this amazing inner marketer in our brains that tells us that something's going to be amazing. And mm. we fabricate that. We fabricate, you know, especially when, you know, we're, we're playing up, we're going to go to this social event, we're going to go to this party, we're going to go to this restaurant. Our brain starts telling us, it's going to be so good. It's going to be better than you've ever imagined. And we do that with each bite too. We know that, especially when you're hungry, that mm. first bite is great. But then after that, as you start to get more satiety, it's going to go down and down. But right. your brain tries to convince, you know, just one more. It's going to be just as good as that first, but it never is. It's like never turned, is earned, right? So it's that, that inner marketer that's telling us that. And then the second concept or the thing that I've learned too that you, you found out was that when you release the breaks and allow yourself to eat whatever food you want, You really do take away, you you take away that polarity of good food, bad food that keeps you stuck in thinking that something is amazing, but you don't want to eat it because it's bad. And, you know, it's like, it like confuses you, right? Mm. Whenever you release the brakes and be like, well, you know, I can eat whatever I want within hunger and satiety, you can actually determine which food you actually like. I have a very similar story to Halloween candy. So two years ago, I did the same thing. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to have whatever candy I want when I'm hungry and eat it. And then I realized I didn't like any of it, any of the ones that I had <laughs> from childhood. I'm like, this stuff is literally nasty. Like, I am not going to waste any of my time eating any of this crap. And I still feel like that. Like, it has zero pull on me. Like, I could, I could look at it and I'm like, ugh, that's just disgusting. Um, and it's, it's amazing what happens when you allow yourself to judge food that way, instead of like, this is a bad food. I can't have any. Oh, I just really want it. Oh, I can't have any You know, it just creates this whole thing in your head that blows it out of proportion. So that's Mm -hmm. brilliant. Brilliant. I love that you brought that up.
3: (laughs) (laughs) It it can be, it can be devastating though, because the memories are tied to it, Mm -hmm. but you can, you can extract the good feelings around those memories without actually experiencing the same stuff over and over again. Exactly,
2: because what is it that we remember? Like for Halloween, I love Halloween. And one of the reasons I love Halloween is because I love dressing up and I like the excitement of the night and going out, and, you know, being with friends and that kind of thing. So really it wasn't about the candy, you know? It's about the exciting social event. So we can yeah. do that with our family events, thanksgiving you know we can still and you know have some delicious food and desserts and things but really it's it's mostly about being with our family and spending time with them and when we're not over focused on the food we actually get to focus on them and our experience Mm. more so it actually ends up being better than
3: before i think yeah yeah i had a i had an addiction almost to peanut butter And when I finally recognized, oh, this is my connection to my grandmother, Mm -hmm. then I was able to go, okay, so I don't, peanut, she's not in the jar. My nan is not in the jar. So I don't have to keep going by the refrigerator and getting a spoon of peanut butter when I feel anxious or sad or whatever. Mm -hmm. And extracting her out of it helped me get free of that addiction.
2: Mm, that's beautiful.
3: Well, that brings me to the next question
2: I had, which I don't know if I, I quoted, if I'm going to quote you perfectly. But whenever you said had your TED talk, one of the lines you said is, "You gotta face your stuff, so you <laughs> don't stuff your face." And I love to explain what that means.
3: Oh dear, um, that was that was a moment for me of recognizing, hey you are stuffing your face because you're not dealing with your emotional stuff. So let's turn that around. Deal with the emotional stuff and then you don't have to stuff all of this food down and follow it, you know, with tears and all the rest of it. So that was that was really one of those moments of shift for me mm-hmm. because I realized if I actually if I actually figure out what it is I need from this food, and go get that, then I don't necessarily need the food. I can have it if I want it, but it needs to be because I want it, not because I'm compelled to have it. Mm-hmm. In fact, I give clients this this card. It's called "Getting the Hang of It," and it's it's the acronym Hang. I was like, okay, are you hungry? And if you are, go get something to eat. But if you're not, then look at the attraction. The A is attraction. What is your attraction to food right now? Um, and then because of that attraction, what is it that you actually n- need from that food? And mm-hmm. Once you figure out that, the G is go. Go get that. Mm-hmm. It's not the food you want. It's that need you're trying to get met. Go find that and it'll help. Mm-hmm. How do you define emotional eating? Emotional eating is when you're not hungry, you just want something, and food will do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like if you're if you're in love with your partner, I sometimes say go kiss them and see if that helps. Because if that's what you, if it's something you know, oral that you need, it seems like an oral fixation a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Maybe a kiss will give you that and more.
2: So really it's any time that we seek food outside of hunger Mm -hmm. for some sort of emotional reward or benefit.
3: Yes. If it's an emotional need... Food will do, but it's not necessarily the best option. Mm -hmm. Well, and and sometimes it actually
2: leads to more emotional problems, right? Because whenever you keep going back to food over and over, then you've got more problems. So (laughs) it's like a downward
3: spiral. Um, Well, and and what happens is we we often eat for comfort. And then we beat ourselves up for doing that because, you know, the scale goes the wrong direction or our our clothes don't fit right. uh And then after we've beaten ourselves up, what do we need? Comfort. (laughs) So you eat for comfort again, and it just, yeah, it's a vicious cycle. Yeah. Okay. Well, that makes a lot of sense, and I think that probably most
2: people emotionally eat at one point or another.
3: Sure, because we eat for celebration. You know, every celebratory event has food connected to it. We eat just to entertain ourselves. We eat in front of the TV. We eat with friends. We go get an ice cream. I remember years ago, I was working in a a, a, a center and I said, hey, let's do an evening event um, where we bring all these families together. That'd be great. And they said, well, what are we going to eat? I said, why do we need food? They said, because nobody will come. If there's no food. It's <laughs> like, so they won't come just for no, they won't come just for that. Really? Okay. So we had to add food to the mix.
2: <laughs> That's funny. Uh, but you know, it is, like I said, it's very awkward in our society right now. Food really is a very predominant thing. So if anybody wants to get together, the first thing is either drinks or food, drinks. or yes. food. You know, we don't yes. really have anything else in our repertoire of what we do when we get together with friends or family. So
3: that is something very seldom
2: that in our society, Mm -hmm. uh, we probably need to start getting creative about. So emotional eating isn't always bad, though. I mean, there's some people that and, and like I said, most people eat emotionally. Thanksgiving, that would be like a very big example of probably the majority of people. They're going to go beyond full. They have, you know, grandma stuffing or whatever, and they just want more of it. But it doesn't have detriments to everybody because some people don't eat emotionally most of the time, just every once in a while.
3: So well, and I think once in a while is fine, isn't mm-hmm, it? Mm-hmm. That's okay. It's yeah. when it becomes a daily thing. Yeah. So when it's
2: starting to affect somebody, either they're having health problems or it's starting to affect them, um, you know, their self-esteem and those kinds of things, what do you recommend is the first step for someone who feels that they're in this trap of habitual and recurrent emotional eating?
3: I think recognizing it for what it is, is the first step. For for anything that we want to change we've got to recognize what's this doing for me to me with me? How how is this affecting me? Mm-hmm. So starting from that point of oh, I'm eating emotionally mm-hmm. Is that the way I want to be I think that's the first step Anybody has to go to and mm-hmm. then start paying attention. How often do you do it? You know, sometimes I have them carry a card in their pocket with a a little golf pencil or whatever Mm -hmm. so that every time they eat emotionally, they just put a a mark on their page so that they recognize by the end of the day how many times. And just the act of doing that makes them think twice about it Mm -hmm. as well as informing them. Mm -hmm.
2: So they just start to tune in and notice and observe and maybe not even change anything yet, but at least start to kind of recognize that it's there and how often it's happening.
3: Yes, And if if they want to go further with that particular exercise, I say, just write down what it was you were feeling or what you were trying to stuff down and follow with a food chaser there. Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.
1: Mike Rowe here with a radical idea. If you want to see more companies make more things in this country, buy more things from more companies who make things in this country. I refer in this case to the incredible T-shirts, sweatshirts, blue jeans, and more made by my friends at American Giant. Everything American Giant makes is made in the United States. And right now, you can take 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com slash Mike. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike.
2: So trying to get behind the urge. What was it that triggered the urge?
3: We've got to find what's driving the behavior. Because when you crash land in front of the refrigerator... It is not food or hunger driving that behavior. There's something else going on. And if you can find out what else is going on and then deal with that, you're free.
2: That's awesome. So another thing that I have seen in in your website too, I'm going to talk about that later, is you have the the phrase, pack your own bag. What does that mean? And is that also related to this emotional eating concept?
3: Yes it is. Um, I think as we work our way through life, stuff gets packed for us in our bags, our emotional baggage. Um, And what we have to do is stop and look. Okay, what am I dragging with me for these decades? As I said earlier, as a child... I ate like a bird and I was quite happy. But in my baggage was packed, okay, you need to eat at certain times and get adequate amounts and all of that. So I unpacked that so I could make room for what I wanted to do so I could be on the journey I wanted to be on rather than the one I'd stumbled into. Mm -hmm. So I think we can unpack so we can repack for what we want to be. So we need to pack our own bag. That's
2: amazing. So if someone is trying to go through that process, do you usually recommend seeing a therapist or a counselor to help them with that? Can they do it on their own?
3: (laughs) I think if we could do it on our own, we'd be doing it. I think it can be a friend. If, If a friend can hold you accountable and keep you on track, that's great. They know you if they can't then you may need to get a coach or a counselor, a therapist of some sort. I mean, they come to me because I do coaching and counseling. Mm-hmm. And we get them to where they want to be. Sometimes it takes a while, mm-hmm. you know. There's some people who will do my course and they're four weeks and they're done and they go off and they stay on track. Mm-hmm. And there's some who want to, you know, come back mm-hmm. weekly or monthly or whatever or quarterly. Mm-hmm. And we just work through the stuff that trips them up along the way. So it—it mm-hmm. so much depends on the person. You know, everybody is different. But I know I needed some help to straighten my own stuff out.
2: Yeah. And the way I like to think about it, too, is almost like having a combination lock. Like you learn lots of habits, you learn lots of skills that helps you get one number on the combination and you learn another set of skills. It's another number. So sometimes it may take a little longer than you anticipate. But if you just keep at it, keep working, keep keep putting in the effort and keep believing that you'll get there, you'll Mm. eventually get all the numbers to that combination lock, you'll be able to open it up, and there's your freedom. But for some people, it's a little bit longer than others. So I definitely agree that, um, you know, for some people, it's going to take a little bit longer to uh, get to that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I know you mentioned this earlier, but I wanted to circle back to the term food addiction. Do you Mm. believe in food addiction? And what are your thoughts on, on this?
3: I think in our society, addiction is a, a, a term we throw around. I know that there are certain chemistries that are, and I think some of us just use the term because it's an easy way to uh, share what we're, we're thinking.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: I'm not a doctor. I'm not even a nutritionist. So I can't say you, you know that one better than I do. But I know we get emotionally addicted to things, mm-hmm. whether or not it's a physical addiction. We get emotionally addicted to things. Mm-hmm. So, do you work with clients who consider themselves food addicts? Oh yes, and some of them truly, you know, believe that they are. And I'm I'm not going to tell them different because as long as they believe that, that's what's working with them.
2: Yeah, and either way, some- you probably use the same techniques, right?
3: Yes. Yes. I mean, if they are truly addicted and need that kind of detox sort of thing, then I refer to people who know that much better than I. Mm-hmm. But the emotional part, they still need that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Still need that.
2: Yes. It's, it's the same process, I think, for everybody to start to really tune in and listen to the intuition, to pay attention to those urges And realize that that's really all they are is thoughts. You know, Mm. we really do have control over what we can put in our mouths, but we choose to believe that we don't. Um, And then we have these recurrent urges, which are thoughts, thoughts create our urges and our cravings, which I I find very fascinating and interesting because it's very complicated. The brain is very complicated. And I think that we can understand it from so many different angles Mm -hmm. and everybody is right in a way, I think, you know, so I think that we all have a piece of it. You know, it's like the five blind men and the elephant you know, the ear and the trunk and, you know, we all have a piece of it. And I think really looking at it comprehensively, but also applying it individually, knowing that each person has their individual combination lock. Mm -hmm. So if something hasn't worked for you yet, but you know a component of it has, keep going and keep searching so that you can find what works for you.
3: Absolutely. So whenever you're
2: working with a client, are there certain traits that they have or certain characteristics that you notice in them that gets you excited because you know that they're more likely to be successful in reaching their goal.
3: Um, yes. And I find every client fascinating because you know how we, how we kind of create the world in our own minds. It's like, how did you get there from that? Okay. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. Um, Many of them have been on a diet for a while, so they know they know lots of different methods. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, most of them have failed at one point or another. Mm-hmm. Um, but those who really want to do something different now, to make different choices, to be who they need to be, in order to get to whatever point they want to get to, those I know will succeed because they're kind of there. Mm-hmm. And one of the, one of my tasks is to help them get to that point where they want to make a difference. Because you can't, you cannot make changes and stay the person that you are. Mm-hmm. You just can't. Yeah, you evolve.
2: You transform. You have to
3: evolve. Yeah, you have to transform because what you've always done has gotten you what you always got.
2: Exactly. (laughs) So what you're saying is whenever you have a client that comes in, they're motivated, highly motivated, and they're Mm -hmm.
3: confident, and they're Mm -hmm. ready
2: to make change. That's when you It's likely. Those are
3: the easy ones. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's the ones who come in and say, will this work for me? will this work? For, I'm just afraid I'm going to fail again. Those yeah. are the ones I really have to help get past that because if they believe it's, they're going to fail at it, then they're gonna.
2: That is absolutely the key is belief. Cause I've been there too. Me too. Once in My yeah. life where I did not necessarily, like I wanted someone to convince me just like you're saying, convince me that it's going to work, but I wasn't necessarily believing. But once you believe you're going to get there, you will know mm. what it takes to get yeah. there because yeah. that belief is so important. Do you have your clients do any kind of visioning exercises or affirmations or any of those
3: kinds of things? Oh, sure. I, I You know, I <laughs> I work with people from so many different walks of life and from so many different um spiritual vantage points and I try to work with what works for them rather than change them I don't even give a diet I don't mm-hmm. have a diet to hand out because I figure they know their bodies better than I do mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and they they will all work some are more healthy than others but all diets work mm-hmm. as long as you kind of stick with them it's when we go off that we lose so yes I mean I do spiritual um, visions Uh, I I have some of them do affirmations. One thing that I have some of my clients do, since we have so many smartphones, is set an alarm on your smartphone two or three times a day to remind you of what you need to know to help you succeed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, whatever works for them, I will use because they know themselves best. They know how to motivate themselves. And if they can't motivate themselves, then we work on how to do that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And I agree. I tell people all the time in my classes Now, I advocate whole foods, plant-based diet just because I'm a physician and a nerd and yeah. science yeah. is there. But I tell people when it comes to weight loss, all you need is a calorie deficit. Really, it's physics, right? So you could lose weight eating all Twinkies. That may not be health promoting, but it's possible. <laughs> so I think that once they get the head around really the way that they choose to eat, and the way that's more comfortable or one more realistic for their lifestyle, is just that consistency. You're right. That consistency of sticking with it, and then yeah. over time, of course, they can adapt it and evolve it based upon their goals. Um, but I think that that's the very first concept: is consistency and sticking with it. Yes. So you kind of mentioned this a little bit, but I wanted to ask you the opposite question. Okay, as far as whenever you get a client that you know they're going to struggle a little bit more. You have that feeling. Um, One of them is they don't really believe. They want you to convince them. But anything else that you've noticed, any traits or characteristics that kind of hold people back?
3: Self-esteem, self-worth. Oh, my word. That one rampant in our society. And if they don't have a good sense of their value, they're not going to do well. So we work on that.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, I had, I had one client we have been meeting for like three months. And she said, you haven't given me a diet yet. I was like, well, A, I'm not gonna. And B, how do you feel about yourself today? Because until we get that in order, you are not going to do well on this. Because when you have something go awry in your life, you're going to start beating up on yourself. And that has to stop. Yeah and and it was fun because 3 months later she was showing great signs of recognizing what she brings to the world and I said I'm going to read you something and I read off a statement I had written down that she had made I said does that ring any bell she said no not at all I said that was you that was you 6 months ago she said I said that I said yeah I said, how does it feel today? She said, oh, that's not true at all. I was like, yay, we did it. We got there. We got there. And then she was ready. She's, she lost the weight. Life was good.
2: Oh, oh I, I love that. I love being part of those transformations. Because yes. Because you're completely right. If somebody doesn't think that they're worth it, if they don't believe that they're worth it, they're not going to make the effort. Because why, no. why make the effort if you don't think you're worth it, you know?
3: Yeah.
2: So that's, yeah. that's a big one. That's a Change. big one.
3: Yeah. Because we eat to soothe ourselves. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. So how important are self-care and stress management when it comes to staying on track, losing weight, and maintaining a weight loss?
3: Oh. Significantly important um i guess it was like two years after i had lost my weight i was still struggling struggling to maintain it i had i had dealt with a lot of things but i was just tired and cranky Mm -hmm. all the time and i thought this is there's something wrong here this Mm -hmm. this shouldn't be so i did As I do, I did some more research and I found that the nutrition that I was getting wasn't adequate for my body type, Mm -hmm. my metabolic processes. Mm -hmm. So I had to make some changes and adjustments and it worked out really well for me. So I think, you know, you do have to find what works Mm -hmm. for your body. Mm -hmm. And you know, I love plants, they're great but it didn't feed my body the way I needed to. Mm-hmm. So I had to make a few adjustments and just knowing those things, um, adding in a few things, taking care of this little five foot three body, right? Um, taking care of my emotional stuff, continuing to, because you, know, you you learn how to take care of it, but you still have to do the care. Mm-hmm. So that helped me maintain physically, as well as emotionally, mentally, and taking doing all of those pieces has kept me, what, nearly six years now at my goal weight.
2: Wow, congratulations. Thank but you. I agree that self-care and what I teach my clients is that Self-care shouldn't be an emergency plan. It should be a maintenance plan. Maintenance. And especially for women. I'm not dissing on men, but I think we get so overcommitted and, and so we have our hands in so many pots, the kids and school and our career and our friends and our family, that we leave that for last. And I only, this is very personal for me because that's what I do. And then when I'm at the end of my rope, I'm just like, okay, I haven't given myself any time to just unwind or relax or go do something I love. It's Mm. all of these other tasks that I feel like I have to do first. So I think that's really important because especially for somebody that has the habit of emotionally eating, eating when they feel any emotional discomfort, getting yourself and pushing yourself to that limit continuously and not giving yourself a break is going to make it more difficult to change that habit.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. You've got to figure out what you need. Um, You know, my, shortly after my husband and I married, um, you know, he's a guy and he's very orderly most of the time, but there's some things he's not. He, he, he has paper around. (laughs) And he would come in from work and we had this bar in the kitchen and he would undo uh, uh, empty his pockets as he went down the bar and it, would, it made me crazy. It's like, I look at this all the time. Do something with it. Don't leave it right here in front of me. So we, we kind of learned that this was something that really bothered me. So all I had to do was say, okay, I, I'm a redhead. I need some order. And he was like, ooh, okay. And he would, he would tidy up because he knew that, okay, i had reached my limit. So I had to learn to speak for what I needed mm-hmm. rather than, you know, just letting it go. And it made our lives so much better because I was a nicer person when it was order.
2: <laughs> happy wife, happy life, right? <laughs> that's
3: right, that's right.
2: <laughs> well, that's wonderful. And, you know, of course, when it comes to two people, there's always going to be some compromise there. But I think that's a good example of taking care of yourself and speaking yeah. up for yourself so that yeah. you can have some of the peace that you need at home and the home that you share with somebody else. So, that's, that's right. Example. That's right. So I would love to know what personal habit of yours you are most proud of. How did you develop it and how do you maintain it?
3: Oh, Jiminy. Okay. I'm, 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 I'm struggling between two. Um, I'll go.
2: I'll you can go give with... me both if you want. Oh,
3: can I? Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I have a dog. She's a Bernese mountain dog and she's lovely, but she's energetic. So a few years ago probably 6 or 7 now i started walking her early in the morning and it makes it helps her behave better which makes all things better so we walk 4 to 5 miles every morning wow. and i and i listen to books or podcasts or whatever because that helps me and being out in the fresh air you know, I don't care if it's raining as long as it's not lightning and hail and all the rest of it, you know, we'll get wet. That's no problem. But it, it helps her maintain her figure as well as helps me maintain mine. And it, it feeds me. It's almost meditative a lot of times. And then also get, you know, good information in my head. And that, that has been the fantastic thing. So we go seven days a week. Wow. But it it's, took. It's a win-win-win win it because your dog is getting exercised.
2: You get to days learn. days at a time. You get to relax. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, a, that's a lot of great things in one. Yeah.
3: My, my husband said, can I go with you? I said, no. Nope. <laughs> so
2: that's definitely, that is your time, your
3: me time. That is my time. That is my time, yes. Yeah. Well, the dog gets to come, but, you know, that, that helps me stay safe walking around early in the morning.
2: <laughs> and I'm sure you get very close to 10,000 steps. Do you wear a step counter?
3: I do. I do. My goal is 15,000 nice. a day. Yeah. Awesome. And the other one, actually, I started this three years ago. And it was because of my sugar habit. And I thought, yeah, I've got to make some change there. And you're never going to change it if you don't do something about it. So what I did was I, I made myself a mantra of, I only have sugar on Sundays. So there were a few times that I was standing in the pantry on about a Wednesday, staring down the chocolate chips and saying, I only have sugar on Sundays. (laughs) But after about 10 days, it was not a problem. And I still only have sugar on Sundays. And sometimes I don't have sugar then. Yeah. But it broke that habit. Now things actually tastes sweet to me that never tasted sweet before mm-hmm. it was amazing and i don't have the cravings that i had
2: yeah you neuro adapted but you also know that you can have sugar on sundays if you want to have sugar Anytime so that doesn't, I that want doesn't it, make you all crazy for sugar because you have that ability mm-hmm. to have a little bit of an indulgence on sunday if you want so that's that's like a perfect little balance that you've developed there great yeah. and those chocolate chips yeah. No, I know how those chocolate chips can be. <laughs> 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 well, Renee, tell us about what services you offer and maybe a little bit about your book and how listeners can connect with you.
3: Okay. Um, I actually have a copy of the book right here. Awesome. It's, um, What's Really Eating You? Overcome the Triggers of Comfort Eating. And, um, you know, that's available on Amazon and iTunes and iBooks and all the rest of it, and Barnes and & Noble. Um, I offer counseling and coaching services it kind of depends on the person and what level of help they want but I have a like a four-week course that I run and then whatever else they need they want to figure out some more um, of their emotional stuff then we can work together you know a couple of years if necessary but most people are you know six months to a year great and how can listeners connect with you? Um, they can find me on Facebook or online at uh packyourownbag.com. Excellent. And I'll make sure to put links to all of that
2: and your book and so that they can purchase it if they want. Thank Renee, you. this has been great. You are so inspiring. I am so glad I met you. So thank you so much for being a guest on the show today.
3: Thank you very much for having me. It's been great.
2: Awesome. And I hope you have a fantastic day. I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. And I look forward to having you back again next week. A very special thank you to the band Rocket Surgeons for permission to use the broccoli song. To find out more about the Rocket Surgeons, please visit their website at rocketsurgeonsband.com or Facebook at facebook.com forward slash rocket surgeons music. Also, for more information on my work, you can find me at Facebook.com forward slash VeggieFitKids or you can email me at veggie doctor V-E-G-G-I-E-D-O-C-T-O-R at VeggieFitKids.com. Sharing is caring. Please share, rate, and review my podcast and contact me if you have ideas for future episodes. Thank you once again and have a fantastic day.
1: We're having broccoli. We're having broccoli.